Hope. It's what military families need today. Join Hope for the Warriors once a month as we talk with America's heroes and those that support them. Through open conversations and honest dialogue, learn more about the topics that are most impacting the military community. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. I'm Kate Dudley, a military spouse and your host. Welcome to the Hope for the Warriors podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, my name is Kate Dudley. I'm a military spouse and your host. If you've been shopping lately, you know, the backpacks, the pencils, those brightly colored binders, they are everywhere. And that can only mean one thing. The kids are school bound. Want to learn some tips and tricks for handling first day jitters? How about advice on how to make the most of a move? Want to find ways to connect in your community? This episode is for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Hope for the Warriors podcast. So I'm really excited about my guest. It is Carla Sejas. She's an ally of military families and an advocate. And the list of your accolades is pretty impressive, Carla. You've been a political advisor to the government of Israel, a public affairs specialist for the commander of the U.S. Army Installation Management Command, and a transition counselor for active duty service members discharging from the military. This is just the tip of the iceberg. So my first question for you is what haven't you done? spend time for myself. No, um, I'm thinking about things when I was thinking about reflecting. There's still a lot of things on my bucket list that I would like to do, but um, I want to do some more adventurous things um, and not so much academic things. So I'm still figuring that out. I just wanted to say first and foremost, thank you for joining me today. We first got connected a couple of months ago when you were a recipient of one of the Hope for the Warriors Military Spouse and Caregiver Scholarships. And I would just love to hear what you've been up to. I'm entering my fifth year this fall as a PhD student at University of California, Merced. My PhD program is in anthropology and my research, the greater theme of it is how public policy affects post 9-11 military families. And then within that, my dissertation, essentially the book that I'm writing that goes along with uh, my program in order to graduate focuses on how labor laws affect post-9-11 military spouses with unemployment and underemployment. Um, As we'll be talking about today, when we move a lot as military families, military spouses. And so I know that I have had to reinvent my career with each move, which is kind of like how I got the professional background that you mentioned. That's what gave me the insight into knowing about unemployment and underemployment. And then that's why I wanted to research that as my topic. So I am working on my PhD at University of California, Merced, and hoping to finish within the near future. And then we'll see what happens after that. But I'll stay in the realm of military family advocacy. And going off of that, why are you so passionate about this? So growing up, I think my grandma was the one who influenced me in terms of advocacy. She was the founder of a community health center here in the Central Valley of California, where I'm from, because she realized that healthcare was lacking for low-income families and farm worker families in the Central Valley, which is known as like the agricultural, the breadbasket of the United States. So growing up around her, I realized like advocating for people or 
care for what the needs were of others was really important. So I decided that when it was time for go to, to go to college, that I wanted to major in political science. I have a bachelor's in political science and a master's in public policy. And so when I became a military spouse, I basically just shifted my focus. So my focus was different topic areas. But then when I became a military spouse, I realized what challenges there were for veterans, for active duty service members, for military families and military spouses, and even our children. And so I changed my focus on advocacy to only be post 9-11 military families. And now that my husband has retired, that's the same focus that I keep because now it's been a different process for me with his transition I've had my own challenges now with my education, with the ben benefits that we receive in the state of California for military families. Going through the process has made me realize what challenges there are and what kind of does make sense and doesn't make sense or creates more hurdles for military families. And so that's how I've been advocating for changes. And so right now there's currently legislation in the California Assembly to change the education benefits for military dependents. And that was a bill idea that I had and I hope to have some more in the future. Is it something that you have focused on as well, educating other military spouses about this information? Because when I hear you speak about it, and this is a complete tangent, this isn't even the initial questions that I have, but I just find this fascinating <laughs> because you talk about it. And honestly, for a lot of people, that probably sounds like a different language. Do you right. take it upon yourself because you have this extensive knowledge to educate other spouses that might be in this situation and just have no idea where to start? Yes, and, and it's kind of hard. So in meeting other military spouses has pretty much been virtual for me. In my local community, I meet veterans all the time, just in the, in the work that I do, the research that I do. And so it's explaining it to them. Um, because they're the ones who have to do it, right? It may be the spouse is really into it and wants to, you know, the benefit and everything, but they it's tied to the veteran. So the veteran has to make the claim. A lot of times I educate the veteran about it, you know, helping them go through the process or leading them, connecting them to who they should be connected to, to in order to make the claim to do that initial step is one component of it. Also with the great part of um, our virtual world now is social media. So there are some Facebook groups for military spouses that I'm a part of. And in there, like, for example, last week, somebody just posted and said, my uh, my husband is retiring. I want to do a PhD. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I want to go to this university. So mainly through social media, folks have found me or reached out. And then we'll have discussions. To me, it makes sense because, you know, I this is in my background and I know like what laws to look for or what to advocate for. But for others, the process is very intimidating. I'm glad that we're talking about the resources that are available because Hope for the Warriors has a lot of educational resources as well. So for anyone listening at this point in the conversation, I would love for you to stick around because we are going to have a Hope representative coming on after this conversation with Carla, and she can talk more about some education resources that Hope can help any military spouse, caregiver in the in the future. So I just encourage anyone listening to stick around to hear that. So now that we've talked a lot about the education and the benefits, which once again, a little bit of a tangent, but I find it really interesting because I'm also a military spouse and these are questions that I have and I've been diving into a lot of these elements as well with benefits because I'm considering furthering my education. And it really is 
for me, like reading a different language. But so I'm thinking about going back to school. And this seems like a great segue because we're also talking a lot about going back to school and some of the challenges, but also the positives that come with that when you're a military family going through that. And on average, military families move every two and a half years. And that means their children might have to switch schools, meet new friends six to nine times between kindergarten and 12th grade. And you have two little ones. They're nine and 10 right now. But you've experienced this. Can you just talk about your experience with your moves over the last decade? Yeah, so it's challenging. You know, um, each move had a different challenge. There was a different type of service we were looking for or a school we were looking for, even like preschool. I didn't realize preschool was, you know, I thought you'd just pick any school and take your kids. And, you know, when we were um, looking for preschool for my uh, two-year-old, I was looking up the different locations and what each preschool had to offer. And like, for some, I was blown away because your child has to do like a talent show kind of thing, like an application process. And I didn't remember going through that as a child. Again, social media has played a role in each of our moves where um, usually, usually any city you move to has some sort of Facebook group or something like that. And so being military friendly cities, wherever you're going for your PCS, for example, our first PCS with small children was to Fort Benning, Georgia. So Columbus, Georgia, I looked on there to see what housing looked like, what were the different areas within the city. I'm also a big planner, so it moves are different for me because I want to know already beforehand, like who's a pediatrician I should already be reaching out to. For me, who's the biggest employer in that area if it's not the military base? So every move was an adjustment. The other thing that's really important for us for every move is, is health care for my son. My son was born blind when he was an infant and he had surgery as a newborn in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's no longer blind and can see. So that's like a miracle, right? And so having to PCS and leaving that provider, which she told us she's one of 25 in the country, leaving her, then it was like, how do I find another specialist? Because as we all know, we can't really plan our PCSs in terms of like the location. We can all say what our wish list is, but that's not necessarily what we could get. And so I had her give me a list of the 25 to see which ones were closest to what base so that I could continue the care for my son. That's amazing that he was able to get that care and that he can see now. Yeah. So, you know, when you get orders, you're like, no, like you gave my son the gift of sight. How how can I leave you? (laughs) Like, you know, I I can never repay you or leave you, you know, and and she had been going to her since he was uh, four days old. And so we left when he was two. Um, And so now, you know, we keep in touch with her and send her pictures of how he's grown and stuff. But, um, you know, there's always a lot of hesitation when you're leaving that provider that you have so much faith in. What are some of the conversations that you have had with your kids before a move or during a move or right after you moved? So there's always a little bit of anxiety with like saying, okay, you know, we have orders and now it's time to move. Thankfully, each move, my kids are younger. So, you know, I don't have teenagers. So it's a different experience um, where they're kind of okay with it. They get a little nervous about like, but we love our house. And there are a lot of tears shed of like having to leave their house behind or their 
friends behind or like I was just talking to my kids earlier in prep for this um, interview and I was saying like what is it that you miss from our last move and they say we miss that there was a park there we miss you know our extra room in the house or these specific toys you know there's different things you have to think about like from a child's perspective like we have all these other things that we're thinking about in a move but there's some things that they're thinking about and so in anticipation for a move if we could like our last move we got orders to Mississippi and it was five hours. So we got to go see the location first to kind of ease them into the location, but that's not always the case with every PCS, right? They're not really nearby. We ended up buying a dog, like all that kind of stuff. So there's all these different things. I try to have conversations with them and include them in the moving process because I know that there's anxiety that they're going to thinking about like new friends, new school. Thankfully right now we're in a stable situation where we won't have to move again. So they're saying they don't want to move until they go to college. So we'll see how that goes. So hopefully um, that'll be the case, but we'll see. And I was speaking to a member of our well-being team earlier, and she said something that really resonated that the spouse sets the tone. I completely agree with that. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts. This first time I've heard that, but I would say so. It's hard because, so my spouse deployed, he had multiple deployments to Iraq. And so each time, like, you don't have a choice as the spouse, you have to stay on the home front and you run everything, the household, the childcare, your career, whatever it may be. And so their reintegration is, is an adjustment as well. And so thinking about that, I try to involve my husband in the move as much as he needs to be and be communicating with him, but also taking some stress off of him because I know like there's also, you know, when they're active duty, there's things that they need to focus on as well. And so I'm doing the research on finding the locations, finding what neighborhood is better, finding the school district. I don't even think that he would know how to find that. <laughs> um, and so I guess I hide the stress a lot, can convey that I have stress, but yeah, it, it comes easier for me to plan everything and kind of run it by him and say like, these are the neighbors I'm thinking, these are the schools I'm thinking, what do you think about these providers? If I need him to call Deers or TRICARE, whatever it may be, I let him know and he takes care of that. But we both kind of have a role in the move. But yes, I think setting, setting the tone, you know, as a spouse, I did all the research and continue to do the research for different things that we do. There are positives too. When you think about a move, maybe your family becomes stronger after something like that, because you're kind of embarking on this new journey together. Would you agree with that? I think so. I think, you know, it's, it reminds me of like leaving for college. Like I didn't realize yeah, I thought like, oh, I can't get away. I can't wait to get away and move so I can be on my own in college and have no rules. But then at the end of the day, when I was in college, I missed my family and I wanted to go home, right? I think with the military moves as well, it may, for our situation, it's made us stronger in terms of like, we depend on each other more, share our feelings a lot, like I'm stressed or I need some time for myself, or we just share about the area. We try to learn the area together and find new things to do together, where it be find a new ice cream shop or get find a new park or see a new trail to walk. We do everything together so that we can incorporate each other in the move. And I guess either get excited about it or say like, this city sucks, but we're going to embrace it for the next three years together. And we'll figure out how we can support each other. So at the end, we end up liking it. But it's also you can see it as a new adventure, right? So like every two to three years, you reinvent yourself and like start all over. 
there's some, you know, like we had one PCS, we were in San Antonio at Fort Sam Houston, now Joint Base San Antonio, and we love that location. So much to do, so much support, you know, it's known as Military City USA, but unfortunately we had to leave. So we kind of like compare everything to that location because that was the best location we had. I'm sure it's great for the kids in the sense that they are interacting with other kids that they wouldn't maybe before, because you think about it, every person in every state brings different attitudes, different mindsets, different theories or a thought process on what they do. It's almost like different cultures in every state, right? Is it good for the kids to be able to interact with so many different people across the country and for you as well? I think so. I, I, for our kids, they've learned a lot from other kids. I think it helps with the adjustment, knowing that other kids, you know, military kids are going to the same thing as them. So they're also meeting friends. So even now that we don't live in a military town or military city, um, they tend to see someone alone and then go talk to them because they say like, I feel bad that so-and-so was alone. And I know how it felt when I was new. And so they kind of have noticed that. And so they try to incorporate a kid. And like I said, we're not even a military town. So um, it just may be a kid who's new to the area or whatever it may be. So it's helped them, I guess, to be more empathetic to others as well. Well, I will say moving from being in the South, my daughter developed a little little draw in her, is that what it's called? A little little twine voice. And so um, her name is Rylan, but she would tell everybody, my name is Rylan. So, and, and then my kids, you know, growing up in Georgia, it's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. Yes, sir. So here in California, in the area we're at, it's a little less formal. So they say like, wow, your kids are really well-mannered. And I'm like, well, when they were younger in preschool, they'd be in trouble if they didn't say, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. So there's a different uh, culture kind of thing. Yes. Like you're mentioning in terms of our friends, it was amazing to me, each PCS to meet different people and be so close to them. Like you mentioned, you don't live near families. So the military community ends up becoming your family. And so there are still some people who I still have strong bonds who if I would have met them in another setting, I probably wouldn't have become friends with. But because I really got to know them and us being from way different backgrounds, vastly different areas and stuff like that, we realized how strong, I think those are the stronger friendships that I have because we're so different. I just want to go back to that has to melt your heart hearing that your son was making friends with maybe the kid in class that didn't have any friends. That's so sweet. It is. And we also try to figure out how to, I guess, incorporate like being a military child in the classroom. So like you're probably seeing red poppies that are given out, you know, for Memorial Day. And so my kids take poppies to class And they explain what the poppy means and then give the poppy with a little paper that explains the meaning of the poppy to everyone in their class, because none of the kids in their class, for the most part, have been military kids or affiliated with the military in any way. And so it may be the first time that they're learning about it. And so then the kids learn. And then my kids like the fact that then they can tell someone about who they are and why they may move a lot or, you know, what their life is like. For the military spouse that is new to this, that is just getting ready for that first move and is listening to the podcast, what advice would you give them about embarking on that new journey with their family? 
That's a loaded question. I would say, I'm like, where do we start? Where's your PCS? Where's your first orders to? Um, I think it just all depends on the person and what they're comfortable with. At first I sat there and I didn't know anything about the military. My husband and I were best friends in college, but um, he was already active duty. And I never thought I would leave my home state of California, my family, none of that. And so that was the first big adjustment for me was leaving my family. And so support system is very important. Finding a support system, learning about yourself, I think is something that you do with every move. Um, so learning about what you need in your moves or in your environments or what it is. I think that there was like two paths. I could either, and I met spouses who did this, where some of them were like, my husband is in the military, but I want nothing to do with the military. So I could have chosen that route, or I could have chosen the route that I did take, which was my husband is in the military. I have to do this for a next the next decade. So let me learn about it. Let me embrace it and then figure out, you know, how I can make it not suck and be a great experience. And so that's what I did. Every PCS is different and it looks different. So like my first one, I joined the spouses club. I am not an arts and crafts person. I know nothing about that and burn my fingers with the glue gun, um, but I joined the spouses club and just going to the craft night or the bunko night, I learned, I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what bunko was, um, but incorporating myself into that was what gave me great friendships. You know, I learned a lot from others, met a lot of other people, had a lot of laughs and, you know, established great friendships that I still have today, you know, 15 years later. It's times when they deploy or when the active duty service member is in training that everything fails, right? Not having family nearby, those friendships were important because at one point my daughter ended up in the hospital and they didn't let my son who was like six months old with me because they said he couldn't come. I explained the situation that my husband was not in town. He was out of state and there was no leeway to that. The rules are the rules. And so I had, if I didn't have those friendships, so I thought of like, which is my closest friend that I trust the most with my child for, I don't know how long, because I didn't know how long my daughter would be in the hospital. Um, that was the thing that saved me. And so I literally just called one and she was at her kid's soccer practice and was like, I'm on my way right now. And she came and took my son and she said, for how long? I said, I don't know. And she kept my son, you know, for three days because my daughter was in the hospital in respiratory distress. So I have one in ICU as a two-year-old and then I have an infant. And so if I didn't have those strong bonds with other fellow spouses that I met in mom's group in military spouse um, groups, then I wouldn't have had any help at all. And so we definitely don't want to, as military spouses, it can be hard to kind of put yourself out there and meet other spouses. We definitely don't want to isolate. We definitely want to make sure that we're trying and I know it's hard, but to meet other people so we can establish those strong bonds because sometimes those friends end up becoming family and the people that you need to lean on the most. That's a fantastic piece of advice and a fantastic way to end our conversation. Carla, thank you so much for being on with me. This has been really enlightening and just a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I hope, you know, reach out anytime. I love to meet spouses and, you know, establish that camaraderie no matter what year we're in in the military. I'm so excited about my next guest. She is Hope Strategic Alliance Director, Jordan Huffman. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. And we wanted to bring you on because of your background 
And I think that it relates a lot to what Carla spoke about with being a military spouse and a mom. So just first off, tell me about your background in the military, what your current situation is. Great. Um, Well, I have been married for 16 years to a United States Marine. He is a pilot in the Marine Corps, and we spent our first 11 years on active duty. Most of that time was in Jacksonville, North Carolina at Camp Lejeune, which is where I started working for Hope. While we were there, he did four deployments, and after the the 10, 11-year mark, um, he made the decision to leave active duty and go back to school. So we uh, moved from Camp Lejeune to Texas, where he started a graduate program, but he made the decision to stay in the reserves. So I have a different perspective. I've I've done both. I've done active duty deployments. Um, I've done active duty life. And then I've also, um, now we've been in the reserves since 2015. And we've, we're getting ready to start our second reserve deployment. How many kids do you have? And what are their ages? We have two children and their ages are seven and nine. So they're going into second and third grade. You mentioned that your husband is deploying the day before your kids go back to school. And a lot of the military family spouses are probably dealing with similar situations. It could be with a move. It could be with a deployment that mom is trying to kind of scramble a little bit to make sure their kids are in a good situation, they're happy at the school. And then on top of it, you know, maybe being worried about their well-being as well. What's Mm -hmm. advice that you would give to them? We're in a unique situation because we thankfully um, have already have our roots here in the school corporation that we go to since we're a reserve family and this is our home. So that is helpful. But on the flip side, we're in a super civilian area. You know, it's not normal that a family member is coming and going for a deployment. So that can add its own challenges because um, I do think that there is some benefit when other kiddos are in the same, you know, boat and understand what that's like. So we, that is a challenge um, where we live, you know, most moms and dads go to work and come home and are there. So I did find it very important to just let the school know. And our school, we're really lucky. We do have um, school counselors in the school. So I did connect with the school counselors just to give them a heads up. Um, I don't want the children to be, you know, singled out or any big fuss made over it, but I did want to make sure that going into it, we had our support system set up. So, you know, each time there's a deployment with children in the house, you know, they're different ages. So they, react and handle it in different ways. It's also unique timing since it's the first day of school. So in addition to having those first day jitters, they're also going to have just said goodbye to their dad for a few months. So I just wanted to make sure that we were all on the same page and, and hopefully we, you know, everything will go great and the kids will adjust and be just fine. But if not, we've got a plan in place and we, the um, school is already aware, the teachers are aware and the school counselor. So I really do suggest whether it's, you know, a deployment or a move or any sort of big change that's happened in your home to just to notify the school so that they can be aware and they can, you know, let you know if they notice something. The more people that are there supporting the kiddos in the end is always going to be the best thing for them. So I would, you know, whether it's move or deployment or whatever situation you have going in your home, I would suggest just giving the school a heads up so they can also be on your team. What are some things that you do to prepare for the school year and your husband being on a deployment? 
So just making sure that I've kind of got some things in line to make our week a little bit easier next week, knowing that it's going to be just me on my own being organized, I guess would be a good suggestion. That is a great suggestion. Great piece of advice. And it seems to be a theme between my conversation with you and my conversation with Carla about the importance of having some type of support system. You're fortunate because you're around family in Indiana. A lot of the listeners are probably not. And one suggestion that Carla had, which I really loved and appreciated, was to reach out, to be open to new connections. She had reached out to a military spouse Facebook group in her new city. Would you agree with kind of the importance of that support system and maybe being open to new friendships and relationships uh, in a new city? Oh, 100%. In fact, I I like, it's like I'm a scout for military families, It's which is kind of crazy. I Since I've been here in Noblesville, Indiana, I've actually met several military families that either are here, happen to be here on recruiting, or there is an Air Force base a little bit north of us. You know, since I've been there, um, I've really tried to welcome those new families. And it's, it's really nice if you're able to make those connections because they can help you find like, oh, who takes TRICARE in town? Uh, what church do you go to? What soccer league do your kids play in? So, um, and the thing that makes the one thing with the internet, there are, you know, some negatives to social media, but there's also some really great positives. If you aren't comfortable out in person, those are great ways that you can put that information into like a spouse's Facebook page and ask those questions and get feedback you know, try to make it a little easier on yourself and don't recreate the wheel. Ask those that have already done it for advice and help on how to do that. Do you think that the deployments or those moves have made your family stronger? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Because especially when we lived other locations um, versus now where we live near family, we only had each other to rely on. So we created really strong bonds where it was just the four of us. Yeah, I definitely think it's made us stronger. It makes you realize that you can handle a lot of challenges because again, like our audience, most people are probably military or military connected. Moving is hard. <laughs> Moving is emotionally, physically, it's just, it's a challenge. There have often been times where, you know, in the middle of a move, you're like, I don't think I can, I can't work. I can't survive this. And it's not even just the, the moving part, but then when you get there, setting up your whole life and especially for typically the spouse, a lot of that coordination and scheduling, getting new doctors and schools that typically falls on the spouse, at least the majority of it. And it's, it's a lot. That's a great segue into how hope can help with those types of scenarios and situations. Can you just touch on some of the services that hope provides for a, a military spouse and a military family that is in that process? Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of touches on exactly what I do here for Hope. So um, I'm the director of strategic alliances. So I work with all of our outside um, partners that also provide programs and services. So we have a great program called Community Connection. Uh, it's available to the entire military family. So if you're moving to a new area, like I'm just going to use Jacksonville, North Carolina as a, an example, being a big Marine Corps uh, family location. And I know, I think I saw them the next couple of weeks, we've been doing some run meetups. And um, so if you get 
connected to hope and you're, you know, looking for a way to connect with others, like-minded people in your community, our team can help with that. I mean, that is obviously specific to running. I am a runner. So that's the one that comes out of my mouth the, the easiest, but there are a lot of ways that you can get connected to either whatever programs hope has going on. But in addition to hope, uh, we have lots of great partners um, that we work with. And so if we don't provide something that you're looking for, um, we can get you connected with another great organization to find, you know, the right fit for you and your family. All of our programs and services are open to the military family. So whatever that may be, you know, like military spouse or caregiver scholarships, you can go to our website and check out some of those options that we have. That's what I was just going to bring up. When you think of back to school, you think about the kids, but a lot of times it's back to school for the the parents or the military spouse as well. And for our listeners, our application period for the spouse and caregiver scholarship just opened up. So you can go online to hopeforthewarriors.org to apply And Jordan, what are some of those scholarships that are available for military spouses and caregivers? So we have several different types of scholarships. Um, They kind of run across the whole gamut. We've got scholarships that help with seeking either your graduate or your postgraduate degrees. We have scholarships that are just awarded to spouses of the fallen. We also have a specific scholarship that's awarded to individuals that are pursuing a master's or a doctorate degree in social work or in the mental health field. So it's nice. There's a lot of different options. It doesn't fit you into just one box. So we kind of have something for everybody that might be looking for some additional help to help support um, their education. That is amazing. And I think that's a great way to end this segment with the Director of Strategic Alliances, Jordan Huffman of Hope. Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Hope for the Warriors podcast. We hope you were able to take away some tools for the upcoming school year. Next month, we have a heavy topic, but it's an important one, and in my opinion, one that isn't talked about enough. We'll be chatting about suicide prevention, so please make sure you tune in for that because we will be providing a ton of information about available resources for anyone you know who may be struggling with this. Until next time, keep in mind, a little kindness goes a long way. Hope. It's what our military community needs today.